When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hey, this is Andrew with the Purple Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Hey, this is Andrew with the Purple Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I am joined by Derek Wetmore, the podcast, baseball, and football savant of 1500ESPN.com. Yeah, wow. Jeez. That's a big title. Does so it, many does it, does it fit on a business card? I do. I it, The thing, I actually have to have two business cards, though, and then I just hand them both out and say, <laughs> you know, flip it over, backside. It's, like, it's actually football savant, podcast wizard, uh, I think, are wizard, the two. Wizard, I like that. Yeah, I mean, I like you got to get creative with it. You really do. Too many people are just like, I'm the VP of blah, blah, blah. But no, you were Strategizing synergy operations exactly. nope nope no, I, i'm a wizard i like people that bring the, that kind of vernacular into the normal world it needs some freshening speaking of freshening we're going to talk about the vikings changes on the mind change is going to happen people you got to get through with it 11 win vikings are not going to look the same as next year and they've already made one change at offensive line coach we'll get into why jeff davidson was let go and what we know about tony sperano the new offensive line coach to be and then we'll get into defensive decisions. They've got a lot. The bulk of their undrafted free agent class coming up will be on defense. And then we will grade the 2015 Vikings and put that to bed on defense. First of all, Derek Wetmore, I don't think it was much of a shock to many people that Jeff Davidson was let go after the year they had along the offensive line. To me, it was more about the impressions that were left in the two years under this coaching staff with Mike Zimmer. Yeah, Jeff was one of the few guys that was actually left over from the old coaching staff. They obviously had the receivers coach, the special teams coordinator. There was the tight ends coach as well. Uh, but really only one position group out of all those has really struggled under Mike Zimmer. And the impressions that were left with Jeff Davidson uh, were f- something like 50 sacks a year on Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I think they had allowed 200 sacks over the five years that Jeff was coaching the mm-hmm. offensive linemen. But look at their draft stat or their draft picks as well under uh, this coaching staff with Jeff. It was guys like David Yankee, who's not even on the team anymore. TJ Clemmings, who started six, who was forced to start 16 games at right tackle and was a big disappointment in his rookie season. Just didn't have a lot to latch on to. They needed new life there. They needed new blood there. Uh, and I think a big, thing, a big thing, too, was new eyes in evaluating sure. some guys moving forward because there's going to be some personnel turnover along the offensive line. Yeah, you bet. And and we'll get into Sperano in a second. But, I mean, I remember asking you last year, Andrew, it wasn't on a podcast. We were just chit-chatting as we were wont to do. 
I, I asked, is it possible a guy like Davidson loses his job if, after just one year? Because keep in mind, he's a holdover from Leslie Frazier's staff, and we saw the for most of the year. I won't say Matt Khalil struggled all of last year, but he struggled for most of the year. You talking about um, uh, 2015? No, 2014. 14, 14. Yeah, first he year struggled under, throughout the entire thing. No, 14 first year under bad. Turner. Yep. Well, he flipped the hat, right? And then he had a couple of good games where his <laughs> his pass protection was actually a little bit better. True. Uh, yep. the, the hat flip turning point, as I think it became named around here. But I guess I should say that I'm not surprised that after two years and struggling, even considering, you know, this guy wasn't playing with a complete deck of cards, right? I mean, you lose Phil Lodeholt. Lose John Sullivan. Yeah, you lose your best two starters right out of the gate. His yep. job was yep. made very, very difficult. So I'm not trying to say, like, you know, he's probably a terrible offensive line coach. He was dealt a tough situation, and they, frankly, didn't handle it as effectively as they probably needed to to go further in the playoffs. Everyone's talking about the missed field goal. I know. I know I get it. But you scored nine points, and go ahead and finish off any of those drives or finish another drive somewhere else. I get that it's the Seahawks, too. All I'm saying the Vikings' offensive line is a little bit better in 2015. They might have won even more games. Absolutely, and I think, too, when you look at what went wrong on offense this year, it has to start up front. Teddy Bridgewater was the most pressured quarterback in the NFL. He led the NFL in throwaways, uh, which was speaking to both the pressure he's facing and his inability to throw into tight windows. Yeah. Uh, and then also Adrian Peterson was tackled behind the line of scrimmage more than any other running back in the NFL. And is, that's, that, is that good? No, it's not. Any of and those that's, things? No, no, none, none of, those of those things. Those are all bad things, and okay. that's why the, the Vikings' offense took a massive step back, especially in the red zone. They were 20 fifth in the NFL in touchdowns per red zone trip. Uh, they kicked more field goals than they scored touchdowns when they got into the red zone. That's something that's that's an imbalance that's going to lose you games over time. And even though they were an 11 win team, that was really on the back of a defense. They, sure. they, they averaged point. 21 points per game on offense or 22 points, excuse me. And that was really because of Adrian Peterson's heroics uh, and, and being able to score on special teams and defense more so than they did in 2014. The one problem, and yeah, you can pinpoint to injuries like you brought up, Derek, but the one problem for this group was an offensive line that was unable to hold up on its own. And it wasn't just one guy that always messed up. It was somebody different every time. And I think that was a big reason of, look, you can't get this group together. They played all 16 games together. I believe they were the only offensive line to do so. Now, it was without the two starters. But if you can't get that group to play well heading into week 16 or week 17 or in the playoffs like they didn't this year, then that's going to be something that's going to get somebody fired. Sure. And Jeff Davidson was the one guy who was really remaining from that old group uh, that you could kind of say, okay, we need to get our own guy in here, and that, that guy's going to be Tony Sperano. What do you know about Tony Sperano? Well, I, I imagine that his history with Bill Parcells, Mike Zimmer, and George Edwards went a long way. I imagine Mike Zimmer, ta- who talks to Bill Parcells all the time, uh, Bill Parcells is really a mentor to Mike Zimmer, uh, and he mentored to a lot of coaches, Todd Bowles with the Jets, uh, Mike Zimmer with the Vikings. Now, Bill Parcells plucked Tony Sperano as the head of the Miami Dolphins in 2008 to coach the Dolphins for three years, from 2008, four years, from 2008 to 2011. He handpicked him. He liked him clearly. Now, they didn't have that kind of success they wanted in Miami, but Sperano's a guy that Parcells likes. 
Mike Zimmer worked with uh, Sperano as well in Dallas for four seasons, 2003 to 2006. They were both assistants on that Dallas Cowboys staff, I believe, for a stretch under Bill Parcells as well when he was head coach. So they have that kind of coaching fraternity, and that's something, you know, you can call it an old, old boys network, but they feel like they know him, and that's somebody that they can bring in and they trust, and they view kind of view that they have the same kind of viewpoint, I should say. So that's something we know about Tony Sperano and his background. Now he's bounced around a lot. He's yeah. held he's held four uh, four times in his career. He's held the title of offensive line coach. Most recently with the Oakland Raiders in 2013, he was just the tight ends coach in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So he's coached a lot of different positions on offense, mm-hmm. but he's viewed and respected as an offensive line coach, which is yeah. why the Vikings I think felt so comfortable bringing him in. And they didn't take long in their search. They interviewed yeah. a couple people, Pat Flaherty with the New York Giants, another uh, Parcells connection, and then obviously Sperano, and they kind of locked in on Sperano uh, on Wednesday of this week, just days after they let go Jeff Davidson. So it didn't take them long. They knew what they had there. They liked it, and they're going to move forward. Mm. To me, the biggest question is, is he going to be able to fix Matt Khalil? Does he like Matt Khalil? Uh, Because right now you're kind of stuck in a weird limbo if you're the Vikings of, do you overpay Matt Khalil because he has a fifth-year option coming up? His rookie contract is is done for the four years, and now he has that option that was picked up. Mm That's scheduled to pay him $11 million next year. That's about Oof. as much as Adrian Peterson will be making. Yep. That's a lot of money. Yes, Especially it is. for a left tackle who has not lived up to his fourth overall selection billing. So the big question you've got is, does Tony Sperano like him? What do the Vikings think of Matt Khalil's last season? Because mm-hmm. you're either going to overpay him in 16, you're going to cut him this offseason for nothing, or you're going to lock him up multi-years. So you're either committing to him on a, on a lesser deal sure. for multi-years, or you're getting rid of him, or you're overpaying him. So that's Tony Sperano's viewpoint on Matt Khalil, I think, will carry a little bit of weight in this room, uh, especially because he's a guy that you really you need to have solid protection there on that left side, and they have not gotten it. Yeah, so you, you mean if he likes Khalil as a, as a player, right, not as a guy? like. If they're going to be buddies and go fishing together. I don't think it means, is he going to go to Matt Khalil's Pyology Pizza Joint? I, okay. I, I mean, does he like him as a player? Can okay. he fix him? Can okay. he look at him? Can he fix him? Does he see something that goes, yeah, there's redeeming qualities there. I see why he was a top pick. Yes, let me do this. And sure. then the, that's probably going to, if, though if he steps in and goes, guys, we need a new left tackle, then that's something where you go, okay, that then that might push them over the edge. I'm not saying Sperano's going to have the decision. Right. It's going to be more his voice will be heard, uh, especially as the new coach on one to have the right personnel in front of them. There's a lot of moving parts on this offensive line. Not, yes, there o- not are. only Matt Khalil, but the fact that Joe Berger is 33 years old. John Sullivan will be 31 coming off multiple back surgeries. Phil Lodeholt, entering the last year of his deal, will be 31 years old coming off multiple season-ending injuries. Uh, there's a lot in flux there. And, and really the only settled piece you've got is guard Brandon Fusco. Uh, and, and, and by the way. really had a really bad year. Yeah. Had a really bad year for his standards. And so that's something where Sperano's got his work cut out for him. Um, but in all, I don't expect this offensive line to look anywhere near what it looked this last year, just, just personnel-wise. I yeah. think there's going to be a lot of change there. No, I think it could make a lot of sense to shake it up right now because you know people talk about stability as if it's – a really great thing. Well, there's this cliche in college basketball um, that's kind of interesting right now to the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers that uh, that some people say, you know, oh, they're an experienced team. They've got a lot of juniors and seniors. They've been playing together for a long time. And, yeah, they took their lumps, but they're ready to win now. The college basketball cliche is bad young teams just 
quickly turn into bad old teams if you let the experience <laughs> stick around. And that's my thing is like, okay, yeah, 16 games together. Impressive, no doubt, even though you lost the two guys before game one. Do you really feel, you know, fantastic about Mike Harris at right guard? Do you feel fantastic fantastic about what TJ Clemmings did at right tackle? Like, obviously you don't. Um, with that being said, is there enough there? Are there enough pieces internally right now that you could sort of reconstruct an offensive line? Depends on health, I'd say. But I, it, I don't think it'd be super far-fetched to say that they could move some things around and get better production out of the line next year. Yeah, let's dig deeper, too, because there's a Joe Berger, I think, showed enough in 16. It really, I think it was one of his first full, if not his first full season as a starter, at least his first in like five years. Okay. Um, he showed enough there to say, okay, we could probably roll with him as a patch at center for one more year if if a guy like John Sullivan, who they absolutely love, is not fully healthy and, and can't come back the way he wants to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's And that is a legitimate question. Sure. Uh, coming off multiple back surgeries at the age he was at yeah, and, and specifically the position he's playing. Yep. Uh, to have back problems as a center or any offensive lineman, that that's killer. Uh, yeah, but if you say 1A Sullivan if he's healthy, 1B Berger. Berger is a good fallback right. plan right there as well. Not uh, terrible. Mike, Mike Harris gives you, I think, what you need at right guard. The questions are more at the tackle spots. And, and you look at, too, it wasn't just the Lodeholt and Sullivan injuries that hurt them. One of the guys they really liked in camp last year was Carter Bykowski, who ended up tearing a peck, uh, I believe, in the same game, if not around the same time, that Phil Lodeholt tore his Achilles tendon. It seemed so, like there are a lot of torn pecks around Vikings land. There are. You should probably work on that. Watch watch your pecks. Yeah. Keep an eye out for them. A lot of push-ups gone wrong. Exactly. And, and I think, too, one I, w- I wouldn't be surprised, but I've, I've I have no inkling of this, but I would wonder if they take a look at that strength and positioning program as well that Evan Marcus is running and, and think that maybe they should have some kind of revamped process there as well because you said, you're right. They lost a lot of a lot of people there. Do you mean strength and conditioning? I think you said strength and positioning. Oh, no. Did I say positioning? That that would be a funny coach too. Like I meant strength and conditioning. Yeah. Conditioning. I, uh, Bridgewater. What's your first name? Teddy? Hi, Teddy. Um, yeah, Derek, Derek Wetmore. I, uh, I'm the strength and positioning coach. So here's, here's what I do, basically. I do an evaluation preseason, and then we just kind of follow up. I'm going to keep tabs on you throughout the year, see how it's going. Um, for strength, I th- you need to get stronger. I think you need to get a little bit stronger. you got to get that arm into a position, and not just your arm, Teddy, because it's your whole body, really. Your core strength, that's important, too. You throw with your legs a lot. And I... <laughs> I think that that needs to continue to progress. As for positioning, I'm going to put you at quarterback. Um, <laughs> you be you be the quarterback, and we'll just see how that goes. Check in with me in six months, and uh, we'll see how your progress is coming I would along. sign up for that job. Hey, this is Andrew Kramer with the Purple Podcast. I just want to thank you guys for checking us out every week. And if you like the podcast, please go check us out on iTunes. Leave a review. Four or five stars would be appreciated, but if you don't like Derek Wetmore's hot football takes or you think Judd Zolgad's a little too negative, you can go ahead and give us a one-star rating if you feel so inclined. But those reviews are going to help us spread the word of the Purple Podcast, the best Minnesota Vikings analysis in town. Now, back to the podcast. That's probably a seven-figure job in the NFL. And I would sign up for I, it. Yeah, I mean, that's I just put my resume on Absolutely. tape. Absolutely. NFL Absolutely. teams, if you're out there looking for me. Or one of the quality control people. Yeah. We're, we're really, <laughs> yes. what they do is they just basically say, hey, uh, Norv, the uh, the fullback runs really worked well. Yep. I am oh, okay. uh, <laughs> busy over here controlling no, the quality. Not to, not to uh, diminish what those guys do. They do do a very important job, and the NFL is very meticulous in that sense. I liked your approach there. 
I meant strength and conditioning. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm good with it. I figured, <laughs> I guess I just wanted to verify. So we're all on the same page here. Yes, uh, but obviously, though, the number one change with the offensive line, Carter Bykowski was a guy they did like a lot in camp and thought could have been their swing tackle and might have right. been their starting right tackle sure. had Phil Lothol, or when Phil Lothol went down. Because what they wanted to do with TJ, being an inexperienced guy, switching in college from defense to offense, uh, he's, he's no Anthony Barr. They wanted him to be able to learn in the wings, and he didn't. He had to learn on the field. And I think he showed you a lot, and Mike Zimmer said it at his season-ending press conference, that at times he showed us that he could be the guy for the future, and at times he didn't. Right. And that just means that they're open to competition and they're not settled on anybody. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they don't know it's not set in stone that Phil Lodeholt will be back on his certain contract because I believe his, his number spikes uh, into the final year of his deal next year, and none of it's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So you so, could cut Lodeholt ostensibly if you were looking to save the money and move on from the right tackle. Exactly, but the problem is you don't have depth at tackle, right? Uh, and that's where I think they might be able to bend their rules a little bit and look into free agency and look into the draft, more so in free agency, and thinking where is, where is somebody we can find a ready-made guy to come in here if it's not John Sullivan at center, if it's not Phil Lodeholt at right tackle, and if they decide to move on from Matt Khalil, that's just it. There, yeah. Besides Brandon Fusco, I think every position's in flux. Moving Mike Harris hurts. at guard made his first ever start at guard uh, this year, week one, and, and really I thought did well for them. Uh, but he might be more of that swing tackle option if you didn't feel comfortable with him at guard. So they've got a few things to work out there. But that offensive line is going to be something where they really do need to figure out what they're doing moving forward. First change being Tony Sperano as offensive line coach. Now, they talked about it, we saw it, and it's pretty obvious. Teddy Bridgewater's got something to fix with his throwing motion. Yep. Now, Bridgewater is a guy who can wane in his accuracy, and I think a lot of that has to do with how his elbow can dip. You hear some scouts talk about it. You hear uh, some, some other guys mention how this kid, when he throws the football, especially down the middle of the field, and Mike Zimmer's mentioned it as well, that that ball just does not have the zip on it, and it doesn't come out the way it should necessarily over the top. When you're throwing it in the middle, you're throwing into tighter windows, it has to come out faster, it has to shoot out of your arm, and it's got to come out over the top. Otherwise, it's going to get batted down at the line. And a couple of those passes in the wild card loss to the Seahawks did get batted down yeah. at the line. So that's something they're working on there with him, with Teddy Bridgewater. That's another offensive change that's going to be in the works and trying to figure out can they get his throwing motion a little bit tighter, doesn't dip as much, doesn't sidearm it as much, right. and then be a little bit more accurate then, especially, too, because that plays into the downfield accuracy where he would be just a hair off or a full yard or two off. And how many times did you see it where they'll, they'd hit those one-on-one shots but then the next time they'd go back to it, and he'd overthrow Jarek McKinnon down the sideline, mm-hmm. or he'd overthrow Mike Wallace down the sideline. I think that plays into them needing a bigger receiver, but they also need their quarterback to be a lot more accurate. Two points on that. You mentioned just a hair off in the middle of that, and I want to let you know that it is copyright infringement because Josh Freeman actually owns the rights to that phrase. <laughs> oh you now owe... Mr. Freeman royalties for having said that. He might be the kind of guy that come after me, too. Just a hair off. Yeah, and secondly, um, you talk about Bridgewater making some of those throws. Honestly, I, I, I think they're going to need a new strength and positioning coach, and I'm hereby <laughs> applying for that job. Vikings, if you're out there listening to the podcast, I think that we should talk. Let's grab a coffee, and I, I just... A few minutes ago, no, what it, you need to no, what you should do is the arm quality control. Arm coach. quality control, yeah, or like uh, you know, elbow quality control. I yes. think is oh, you bring that up, bring it up. It's it's hard, 
it's hard really to get my resume on tape on on a podcast, but just do me a favor, um, Vikings, and rewind a few minutes ago to when I was talking about this stuff. These are the kinds of things that I could do for your organization um, if you'd be so inclined. Uh, I, I'm I'm open and available really uh, next month or so. I'm kind of kind of free if you want to grab caribou and just. Let's sit down and talk. I, I, I'm not a formal interview. I think we just have a feeling it out, and and that you've, could you've got help. the right uh, coffee sponsor for them. That's good. Is it? I, yeah, you oh, okay. got it right. There you go. <laughs> well, you see, company man, <laughs> I'm company man, Kramer. So the Vikings' offensive changes heading into this year or this off season obviously will center around the offensive line and Teddy Bridgewater. Derek, there's been also perhaps a small amount of buzz, eh, maybe a little bit, okay. uh, about whether or not the Vikings should stick with Adrian Peterson. Now, they sure. redid his contract this offseason to give him, if, if big if, he's on the, the roster, third day of the league year, which is March 17th, I believe. Okay. If he's on the roster March 17th, he is guaranteed over $7 million next year. That, that so essentially solidifies what they're going to do with him right. unless he's traded. If he's it just trade. means they wouldn't cut him if he's on the team yes. March 17th. They're not I don't think they're going to cut him anyway, so that date almost becomes moot. The point is, though, that there's some rumblings, some talk out there about maybe them trading Adrian Peterson, especially with how they didn't work so well together with right. Adrian and Teddy Bridgewater. That offense fell from 27th overall to 29th. They did take a step up in terms of points, but they didn't in terms of yardage or third downs or red zone, just all the things that the situational offenses, they just could not get going. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that had to do with Teddy Bridgewater and Adrian Peterson trying to feel each other out and Norv Turner trying to figure out the combination that worked. Do you just move on from Adrian and say this is Teddy's offense with Jarek McKinnon? Because keep in mind, they got Jarek more involved at the end of the year and Teddy yep. looked a lot more comfortable. Personally, Andrew, I wouldn't. But I don't think it's as far-fetched as maybe some people think. I think... Um, the obvious knee-jerk reaction is going to be, the guy just won the rushing title. He proved to you that 30 means nothing to him. He's superhuman, and in a league in which running backs don't really matter that much, he's one of the very few that matters. Defenses have to game plan differently. They open up things in the passing game. And all of that stuff, while cliched, is true, but it still didn't help the Vikings in 2015. Their offense was still among the worst in the league, Obviously, you can attribute a lot of that to the offensive line stuff we just talked about, but not all of it. And so I, I don't think you should just quickly dismiss it and say, oh, it doesn't matter. And here's why I think that. Based on comments made on the record, and I like to try to read in between the lines when there is something there. If there's nothing there and you know it's all conspiracy theorists gallivanting about, I'm not interested in participating in that. But consider this, Andrew. At Mike Zimmer's post- or like end of season, I almost said postseason, but that implies playoffs. At Mike Zimmer's end of the year press conference, he said something about Adrian Peterson, um, seeing him being, I think his exact quote was, I think Adrian Peterson can do anything he sets his mind to do. And to me, that's a wonderful vote of confidence, but it also kind of leaves you wondering as a media member, so does that mean he hasn't set his mind to not fumbling? Does that mean he hasn't set his mind to any kind of reasonable pass protection to be capable of being a third down back in the NFL? I I just I wonder the fit there. And I also think back to what Adrian himself said in the locker room the other day when the press scrum surrounded him. Um, the, the gulf of vultures sort of just swallowed him up. And, and anyways, he was talking about one of the things that he'd like to change next year, in addition to ball security, 
is being a better fit in the offense. Being more flexible or versatile, I think, is probably a better term. And being a kind of guy that can do what Jarek McKinnon can do. He mentioned Jarek specifically by name. Some of the things they had him doing, going out and taking passes and things like that. And Peterson said, whether you buy this or not, he said that he thinks he can be the kind of guy to go out and catch more passes. And Zimmer said he thinks Peterson could catch more catch more passes. Easy for me to say. What I do then when I hear those two things in a short window as I connect them in my head, I wonder, do they sit down with Adrian at the end of the season and say, hey, good year, we were happy to have you back, glad we fought for you to come back. Now listen, if you're coming back again, we need you to change some things. I wonder if that conversation took place between those guys. What this says to me, too, and in terms of reading between those lines that you were just talking about, is it says, what, what is the better fit for this offense? It's really a better fit for Teddy Bridgewater. That, that's what all this is. Sure. It's, it's about what Norv Turner's offense had geared around Teddy Bridgewater. Because keep in mind, when they started the year, it was shotgun. Four of the ten carries that Peterson got in San Francisco were out of the shotgun. That Mike Zimmer was asked after that debilitating loss in San Francisco, are the shotgun handoffs a function of your offense? Or was it just a game plan? He said, no, that's a function of what we want to do. They immediately ditched that in favor of leaning more toward Adrian Peterson and and turning your young quarterback into a complimentary piece. And by that, you just mean that putting Bridgewater under center so he has to drop back to pass now rather than being out there, spreading the field, letting him survey. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater's rookie season, he took about two-thirds of his snaps out of the shotgun. That dropped to about 40% this year with Adrian Peterson. And and it was because of Adrian Peterson. It was because of the fullback seeing more of a role with Adrian on the field. Now, what does Adrian being a better fit mean? That means him being able to be in the shotgun, doing all the things you were talking about, doing what Jarek McKinnon does so well, being a receiver, not fumbling the football as well. That's the biggest thing. This offense really prides itself on ball control. And when Adrian fumbled, lost he fumbled eight times this year, lost yeah. four, and obviously the fourth being in the Seattle game. And then what do they do two series later? They pulled him out of the game completely. He stood on the sideline for three minutes in that fourth quarter as the Vikings drove down the field to try and tie that game up or take the lead. Mm-hmm. And then he was obviously, they, I think they punted that possession away. Then Adrian came in for the final drive where they did drive down the field. But that resonates with a player like Adrian. In, in the, one of the biggest stages of your career in the playoffs, you're about to knock off the defending NFC champions, and you were standing on the sideline watching Jarek McKinnon catch passes that you think you should be catching. A second so year. I don't know if that conversation had to be with Adrian or that he maybe actually realized that because he was finally being sidelined during one of the most critical stages of any game this franchise has played mm-hmm. in his career. Yeah. So point. I think that resonates with the player. But when we say when he says better fit, when the Vikings say better fit, it's really for Teddy Bridgewater. And they the number one priority in that building is is developing the franchise quarterback and that's why it, it, I think it caught kind of some people off guard when Mike Zimmer was asked on Monday hey, hey, or Tuesday it would have been hey is is there going to be competition for Teddy Bridgewater and Mike was like well yeah we want to add players at that position always but Teddy is our quarterback there is no yeah, questioning that right entering his third year when he was a first round draft pick he is going to be the franchise quarterback meaning that they aren't going to then maybe take those steps to cater toward Adrian moving forward. Sure. That's how you read between those lines. Do you see anything from Taylor Heineke that you liked this year? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as the 35-year-old Sean Hill going to be able to come in there and, right. and lead you to the promised land. Yeah. Uh, I think it's more about Adrian being able to pair with Teddy better, and that is something where if they don't believe that can happen, I wouldn't be so shocked if he shipped out of town. Well, it, there'd be good value now, right? Whereas last year when we had the same conversation – the relative value compared with where it is now was nil. You know, you were basically going to cut bait 
and hope he could get anything. I think whatever gains you made are almost negated by the fact that he's one year older. A year older? Well, but I... And his, and his contract actually... I think it remains the same. That should be moved. Sure. But, yeah. It, You're right, a year yeah, older, year but older, don't yeah. you think there were some people... Um, thinking that, well, he's 30, so you know maybe he'll have an okay year, but he's pretty much done. And then he came back and I think pretty resoundingly answered those questions that, as Harrison Smith put it, yeah, everyone talks about running backs who turn 30, but Adrian Peterson's not a normal running back. Like, the rules don't apply to him. And I used to kind of roll my eyes at that and think, okay, yeah, human biology still applies to Adrian Peterson. But... I don't know, man. Like, 1,485 <laughs> yards later, I start to question if I was wrong to assume that uh, that his career was in so- uh, at sort of the twilight. Especially with all the hits he was taking behind the line. And it, this was – if he had John Sullivan and Phil Lothold, uh, there's no question in my mind he crosses 16, 1,700 sure. yeah. yards. Yeah. Uh, and just because I mean, of the amount of times they were using him. He was a force. Yeah, I would say um, – so it's hard to know. It's yeah. hard to say exactly yep. what his trade value would be across the NFL. But I am curious to see um, if this is just, you know, are they rumors? Is it just chatter? Is this stuff coming from chat boards that really, you know, don't have merit necessarily? It's somebody floating it out. Or are the Vikings floating a trial balloon trying to figure out, hey, would there be a market for trading Adrian Peterson? I, I'm fascinated to find that out myself. Yeah, they, they would uh, be smart to keep their ears open regardless of wow, their initial stance heading into this offseason. In, in large part because closing your ears is just – it's for, frankly, it's tough to do. It's very difficult, like physically closing your ears. It can also be painful if you do it wrong. So, yeah, <laughs> keep, your, keep your ears open. Derek Wetmore, he will tell you how to close your ears if you wanted to. I believe if you want to share your email, you, people want to reach out to No, you, you can tweet me, though, oh, at okay. Derek there Wetmore. You there you um, Perfect. Twitter.com <laughs> is, a, is a good place to reach me. Uh, I like that. Let's pivot now. People say I use that word a lot. No, I like it. It gives them a, like, a little breaking point. Like, Do I, though? I mean, I was trying to think. Maybe like we did a, change gears. I use that one, though, shift too. Shift gears, which uh, you know I'd call you on that right away if yeah, you use that shift. cliche. That's true. I, uh, there was a podcast maybe two weeks ago where we probably talked four or five different little points. that You know, we do our pre-planning, pre-podcast planning meeting. Hey, these are the things we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Uh, the savant doesn't need to know anymore. Thank you. Let's start. And... Uh, I think between each of them, you said, okay, let's pivot now and talk about And oh, I remember making a little okay. mental note of it. There so it was funny then, yeah, somebody points out to you, Andrew, you say the word pivot a lot. <laughs> or no, I think it was actually the next podcast we did. Somebody said, you didn't pivot a lot. What oh, happened? Really? What, what, was something wrong? <laughs> something no wrong? I was like, maybe we didn't derail on the cliche discussions as we normally do. But yeah, no, no pivoting. That could be it. But we're about to pivot and talk about the decisions to be made on defense. I think okay. about 10 of their 14 undrafted, uh, or excuse me, unrestricted free agents heading into go. free agency in March will be on defense. And it comes with guys like Chad Greenway, Terrence Newman, uh, veterans that started for this team many times and were main contributors. The old guys. All the way down to guys like Marcus Sherrills, who has held down the punt returner job for five years in Minnesota. Um, and those are going to be decisions that they have to, and Red Ellison actually too, yep. on, on the offensive side of the ball. He's the most prominent offensive free agent to be. Um, they're going to have some major decisions, but they're going to fall mainly on defense. And it'll be interesting to me, Chad Greenway was on this station, 1500 ESPN, today and said that he's willing. We, we, he's come out and said it. He wants to play another year. Uh, that wasn't always the case. He wanted to feel it out with his family on how this year went, not only with the team, but also his health. 
he wasn't on the injury report once all year, and he felt a, a relegated role, a, a limited role, helped his effectiveness. I thought he played above and beyond what was expected of him and better than he had the previous two years. And now he's 33 years old, wants to play 11th year in Minnesota. Mike Zimmer said, hey, I love him, hope it works out for him. That means really financially uh, and, and whether or not they'd be able to agree on something to come back here for an 11th yeah. year because I believe this coaching staff would welcome him back uh, whether or not he even plays, but back on this team as kind of that player mentor, uh, what Terrence Newman really was. Yeah. Although, like Greenway, they were both able to play while coaching up young guys. Chad, though, said something interesting on this station, that he'd be willing to play for another team, meaning that he really just doesn't want to go out like that, like the 27-yard missed field goal, losing yeah. in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's never won a Super Bowl. Um, but ideally he wants to bring it back to Minnesota. So it was interesting to me that he said he'd be willing to play for another team if it came down to that. Uh, he'd already given a lot to Minnesota, and that's what makes me think that he'd not necessarily just give in to a veteran minimum deal here. Right. I think he would want to be at least respected by a front office somewhere uh, that would give him some money. Well, and that's again. why, you know, setting this up a little bit, a little inside baseball, that's why you say something like that, yep. you know, rather than saying, yep, I'm a Viking for life, you know. Torrey Hunter, for example, on the Twins side of things, sort of painted himself into a corner when he rejoined the Twins and said, I don't know if I'm playing another year, but I know I'm not playing for another organization. Oh, yep. He said, I'm a twin for life. I want to retire a twin. That's one of the reasons I came here. Well, then as the offseason starts to roll around, if the Twins aren't interested in taking you back on anything more than a, like a, you know, minimum salary deal is hey toria you can come back here's a million bucks to be the clubhouse leader and you're not going to play you painted yourself into a corner you kind of give away your negotiating position at the start whereas if you say i would like to come back and i would love to play for the minnesota twins or in this case the minnesota vikings i'd like to finish my 11-year career in minnesota and just retire a viking but if i have a chance to go somewhere else and win and i don't get the kind of offer from minnesota Mm -hmm. Well, then fine. I, I'm, I, I think that's Greenway not wanting to paint himself into a corner. I guess I'm, uh, I'm curious your opinion. Should they bring back Greenway, or do they have the linebackers in the room, or maybe in the draft that could potentially replace him uh, more cost-effectively? Yeah, it really comes down to how do they view Eric Kendrick's future. Do they view him as an outside linebacker in the base package, which would be Greenway's spot. Yeah. Greenway's not a middle linebacker. And Eric Kendrick's, I think, did well in that role uh, in the middle when he was asked, uh, especially toward the end of the season. He had, he obviously took some lumps there, and I think not having Linval Joseph or, or Sharif Floyd, both of those guys were injured. I think having a mixture of defensive tackles in front certainly impacts a rookie middle linebacker, especially in a block-gapping scheme. So you've got those kind of situations to work through in is Eric an outside guy? Is he ready to take Greenway's spot on the outside? And then are we going to bring a new guy in for the middle or do we keep Eric in the middle and then keep Greenway on the outside for one more year? Is did they view Chad as fast enough for that position? Now he was one of the most effective tackling linebackers in the NFL. Chad Greenway was Eric Kendricks. Meanwhile, led the team with 12 missed tackles. Mm -hmm. So you've got some things to work through there in terms of is Eric ready to take that step? Do we push him into that? Like we did uh, by dealing Gerald Hodges in the middle of the season. They're also not as deep at linebacker as originally thought they lost Michael Mowdy yep. off uh, obviously they let him go um, they dealt Gerald Hodges in the middle of the season Audi Cole's going to be a free agent after uh, fracturing his ankle in his one start this year so they've got some positions to or some players to work through and figure out what they've got and really it comes down to what do they like in free agency in the draft I think yeah. that's you're, you're right that's a big point of it uh, can they upgrade over him 
Uh, if Chad wants to play, though, that's going to be the biggest thing. They're not going to just bring him back, and, and, and Chad's not going to be happy with just being kind of that coach on the side. I yeah. think he will want to play even if it's in a limited well, role. And in football, I think you can't really afford that either. Like 53 roster spots are so valuable that you could you wouldn't really say – Ah, you'll play 5% of the snap, but we like you in practice, bud. Exactly, and a guy, you're right, and a guy, too, that has spent his entire career playing defense, not special teams, he's not, you know, the Audi Cole, he's not the guy who just kind of makes his money off being a specialist, Chad's never done that, and Chad's not going to all of a sudden do that in his 11th year, so I think it will come down to whether or not they have room on the playing field for him, and whether or not the front office wants to give him the respect he feels he's deserved through 10 years in Minnesota. We'll see. A big question to me, though, and I I saw this brought up, uh, publicly anyway, and that Brian Robison is a guy that they might try to move on from or at least try to give him a pay cut. I don't see that happening, and I don't okay. think that I don't think he warrants it. His cap hit falls from $5.5 million to $5 million next year. Yes, he is 32 years old, yeah. but he just played 900-plus snaps for the fifth straight year. He's remained healthy throughout most of his career as a starter in Minnesota. He's made 50 straight starts. He's adjusted his game to what Mike Zimmer wants him to do, and I viewed he was more effective than Greenway and played a lot more than Greenway did and deserves to stay on this contract, I think, moving forward. Now, whether or not the team thinks, that's another story. Um, but I don't think Brian Robinson's a guy, when you hear all the cap casualty stuff, you start hearing the stories and, and, the, and the posts written about, here's the guys they could try to trim and move on from. Brian is like number five or six on that list. They have got so many other guys that they can look to move on from. So I will stop grandstanding about Brian Robinson. Yeah, no. I just don't think that he's the guy that, if you're going to look to trim from, especially a guy that has been such a team player in adjusting his game to what you needed him to do, mm-hmm. he played a defensive tackle, like yep. three, two, 300 snaps, which is not what he does. Does. Right, and that puts him in a position that's not the best to get after the quarterback necessarily. So yeah, exactly, uh, I just think that he's a guy that if you're going to, I mean, they got the Mike Wallace's, the Khalil's, they got so many other guys they can look to trim from. Now, you mentioned 900 snaps, and that's interesting because uh, a year ago this time or so, we were talking about Brian Robinson probably being overexposed. I was banging that drum actually. Yes, I was by the one having saying that he was probably ineffective because of how much he was playing. He maybe yeah. had too many snaps and yeah. that the defensive rotation, the fact that the Vikings weren't as deep as they would have liked to have been with guys like Corey Wooten and stuff like that, that that maybe hindered Brian Robinson's impact. Now, so with that being said, uh, maybe more impressive that uh, Robinson was able to come back and play that 900 snaps rather than taking some sort of a part-time role and just taking a total backseat to Daniil Hunter. And he really did that out of necessity, too, because of the injuries they had sure. in the middle. If Sharif Floyd were healthy, if Linval Joseph were healthy, they had Tom Johnson, Brian Robinson's not doing that stuff, and maybe he is playing less because of the emergence of a guy like Daniil Hunter. Yeah. I think what people fall back on when saying that Brian Robinson should either have his, his salary trimmed or, or cut is, well, Daniil Hunter's ready to take that next step. Well, don't be so sure about yeah. that he's all of a sudden ready to go from a bit player to a full-time starter in this system. That's not, that is not guaranteed at all. He, he showed a lot of promise. He showed that he was a quick learner, especially for a guy who they felt was so raw. But he was the youngest player in the NFL last year. Let's maybe let him grow a little sure. bit more into that role and continue to be that bit player behind a guy like Brian Robinson. And, hey, if they stay healthy with Sharif Floyd, Linval, Tom Johnson, then you can start swapping Brian out more for Daniil, but mm-hmm. I still think Brian Robinson is their starter moving forward. So that's something, though, that's going to be interesting here to see how they finagle that because they've got, like I said, they've got guys like Mike Wallace and other big cap hits, and they're cap healthy. Rob Brzezinski, the, the salary cap guru for the Vikings, does an excellent job with general manager Rick Spielman 
to figure out and and work those situations to where they're not in purgatory like so many teams are when it yeah. comes to the salary cap. That way you think Mike Wallace isn't back on his current deal? Unless he wants to cut his salary in half, I think. Yeah, I just don't see how. He's, he's just not a fit for what this offense is doing or what Teddy Bridgewater's arm, at least at this point, can do. Sure. I, I think don't don't put it all on Mike as much as the fact that Teddy Bridgewater is not the quarterback that's going to take advantage of his downfield speed. Yeah, well, I liked what Mike Zimmer said. He says he liked the kid and he'd welcome him back, but he's also looking at what's maybe best for Mike Wallace and after matching his career low in catches with 39 this season, uh, Minnesota might not be best for Mike Wallace. That's a good point. His rookie year was the last time that he caught only 39 passes, and that was on a Super Bowl-bound Pittsburgh Steelers team that also included um, Heinz Ward, uh, a young Antonio Brown, and then who was the tight end? Heath Miller. I think I want to say that they had those three was Plaxico guys. Still on that team? Or no, I think the that, Giants at that. I point? think yeah. I think uh, that was before he shot himself, but after he left Pittsburgh. Um, That's a fun timeline with Plax. Well, hey, it's, it's all it's all out there. It's all true. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I mean. The 39 catches was obviously disappointing yes. for Mike Wallace yep. and for the Vikings when they made that trade, frankly. Um, I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked to see them move on from it, but if he wants to take a big pay cut and still be uh, a guy in Minnesota, then, hey, maybe. More power to you. I'll be your uh, strength and positioning coach next year. You go play, uh, you go play wide receiver. Stay tuned for 60-second AP News headlines. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged with Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players. That is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother, we don't point the finger, we go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts.